Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Welcome back, everybody, to Faked. We um, are back after the holiday. Hopefully everybody had a great one. This one we're going to be starting off with um, a whole new, you know, plethora of information starting the year. It's 2023. Super exciting stuff coming up. So to start this one off, um, it is all about Cuban cigars and how often they are faked and... um, you know, just there's nothing better than a than a real one. I love the smell of them. I've never actually smoked one, but um, I've gotten them in my possession before, and they were an easy regift for sure because of how desirable these things are. They are, you know, just like getting a a really good bottle of wine. You know, it's it's really really desirable. So. Let's talk about the long history of these Cuban cigars and what makes them so dang desirable. So there's a long history, um, and obviously there's a unique taste to them because that's what allows you to differentiate between this and, um, you know, just some other rolled leaves and stems and, you know, stuff. When you when you look at a cigar, I mean, that's all it is, is just this, like, rolled leaf. So you're like, how could they fake that? But it's really what goes on inside of it that's the... The big issue there. So, first of all, tobacco has been grown in Cuba for like hundreds of years, and farmers have um, kind of a huge wealth of experience to draw on. So, tobacco is kind of like grapes in it. uh, It takes on flavors from the soil in which it is grown. So, only Cuban tobacco will taste like Cuban tobacco. And that is where the case in point you know, of this whole episode is, is what makes Cuban tobacco, Cuban tobacco? How can you tell? Is it a smell thing, feel thing? Um, Do you have to smoke it in order to tell? Because that would be a very dangerous probably way to explore that and determine. So I don't think that's what we're getting into. We will talk about eight things that you'll need to know about counterfeit stuff. Um, Because as we just talked about, we usually like to play both sides with these episodes. So it's like, what makes it real? Um, and then what makes it fake? So with this being more of the taste thing, there's not going to be the real side of it because we can't really examine that side of it. We just know how to determine whether it's fake or not. So we're not going to go through like the, the, the nuances of what makes it Cuban tobacco. Uh, we're just going to say what doesn't make it Cuban tobacco. So I know it's a little... Um, little messy there, but uh, that's what we're going to go through. So the Island Cigars makes uh, makers have a unique product that no one else can replicate. So that's that's what we're talking about, the counter thing. So it just so happens that Cuban tobacco is great for cigars. So you may be asking, well, what else do they use? So tobacco is used for plenty of other things, but um, the this particular Cuban tobacco is very good for cigars. Okay, with the plants from the west of the country particularly highly regarded. So if you are um, a Cuban cigar uh, aficionado, then you would be looking more towards the western side of the country to get some of those uh, delicate, um, pure tobacco things. So 
Um, head to the area around the tourist town of uh, Vinales, and you'll find endless tobacco farms thanks to the great taste of the soil that it gives the great cigars from there. So let's talk about what really makes it the, the biggest desirability because flavor, awesome. You know, that really only goes so far because there are people that say, well, you know, just like grapes or wines, like, well, I mean, I can spend significantly less for something that's very similar. So what makes it such a desirable commodity? So the raw materials for Cuban cigars are top quality thanks to natural properties and human knowledge. So there's also an element of marketing at play here. So in the first half of the 20th century, Cuba became a playground for wealthy Americans and cigars, um, a significant, uh, kind of a signifier of wealth um, and success in the United States. So that was such a big part of that, the ethos of going to Cuba and you know, just kind of expending your wealth there. So after the Cuban Revolution and the imposition of the U.S. trade embargo, Americans could no longer visit Cuba easily. So it was impossible to import cigars. So that kind of added to the whole mystique of it. So that is, that's kind of the biggest desirability factor is how rare it is. You know, it's, um, it's kind of like Trappist beer, which we'll probably do an episode on that one too. Um, assuming that there is fake Trappist beer, I'm not sure that's that's going to be it. And if you don't know about Trappist beer, it is a highly desirable beer that comes from monks in some country. I can't remember what the actual country is. Um, but anyways, back to cigars. So that is the history of what makes... Um, what makes it so desirable? Uh, let's also go into what, what's kind of next for Cuban cigars. You know, is it always going to be held in this kind of regard? So in addition to the communist government of Cuba, they exercise a firm hold over the cigar industry. So while this means that strict quality controls are in place, it also allows uh, officials in Havana to control the supply and then keep those prices high. So it looks like there is an artificial supply of that. So that actually drives up a lot of the price. So that also makes the cigars more desirable because you kind of have this like, ooh, like there's like a communist side to it. You know, we're getting something from something that's like a broken system. And yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird um, just overall ethos there. So Cuba might be synonymous with cigars, but there are rival producers out there too. So in fact, aficionados claim that certain Nicaraguan um Cigars are actually higher quality than their Cuban rivals. So for casual smokers, however, nothing beats the allure of a Cuban cigar. So as we can see, there are other things that kind of masquerade around it. However, Nicaraguan looks like it stands on their own. It's not like Nicaraguan's going to be like, hey, this is a Cuban cigar, you know, with... Uh, air quotes, Cuban cigar. No, that's not true. It's Nicaraguan is its own thing. You know, it's like a coffee. You know, if you're talking about Hawaiian coffee, you're talking about Brazilian coffee. They probably want theirs to, you know, overlap. Uh, when people think cigars, they think Cuban, they want Nicaraguan, they want, you know, maybe a blend of it or something like that. So that is the history and what makes it desirable. But what are some of the things we need to know about the counterfeit side of this? Let's jump into that real quick. Okay, so I know I said that we were going to talk about um, the counterfeit things here, but uh, when I was looking at some of the counterfeit ways, there's some um, brands in there that I wanted to kind of look into the history as well. So Cohiba came up, so that is pronounced, or it's 
spelled C-O-H-I-B-A, but pronounced Cohiba. So what is a Cohiba? People say uh, Cohiba, that's like the most desirable, okay? So it's a brand that is a private label. Um, it was a private label brand, actually, for Fidel Castro. So it, uh, you know, that's really big. If you watch Seinfeld, you know, there's the episodes, I don't know if they say Cohiba, you know, because I know that's a branding thing, but they definitely talked about um, Cuban cigars, and I feel like this is probably what they were actually looking into. So in a few decades, Cohiba went from a private label brand for Fidel Castro, as we just talked about, uh, to becoming the most recognizable sought-after cigar in the world. So they're up there with Dom Perignon, uh, so the vintage champagne, Rolls-Royce, and Patek Philippe watches. So the Cohiba name is now synonymous with luxury goods. And for the most part, they live up to the hype. Okay, so Cuban Cohibas tend to score very well in cigar aficionado blind tastings. And you can look a little more into that. That's just kind of like a, a barometer of how good some of these um, these things that you just light on fire are. And the uh, Cohiba Bahique I'm probably saying that wrong. BHK 52 was even named Cigar of the Year in 2010. So as far as trademarks go, Cohiba just might be Cuba's prized possession. And if you're lucky enough to get your hands on a real one, it's probably the most highfalutin stogie in your humidor. So before you decide to splurge on those pricey puros, here are some facts about the mysterious brand you should know. So Cohiba really just means tobacco, okay? It's easy to say kind of rhythmic, um, and it's the word for tobacco in Taino, T-A-I-N-O. So that's the native language of Cuba's indigenous Arawak people before the Spanish conquest. So it's actually fairly new. So as far as Cuban cigar brands go, Cohiba is pretty young. So a lot of the Cuban brands you see um, were privately owned before the revolution and then subsequently nationalized, but not Cohiba. They escaped the matrix. So it was created in 1966 after the revolution, especially for Fidel Castro. So Cohiba itself has nothing to do with old Havana. Okay, but it's quite symbolic of Castro's Cuba and kind of an icon of the revolution itself. So it kind of played both sides. You know, it was Fidel's favorite. And then after the fact, when the revolution kind of happened, which I think is like, I don't know, wouldn't that be associated with Che Guevara? I, I mean, my history, I like history, obviously. You know, that's what this whole thing's about. So I think, I wonder if it's probably just playing both sides of that. And I think it's Che Guevara. Yeah, so Cohiba happened by accident. So we're going to, again, you know, we're just learning some of these interesting facts about this brand because I think it's important to know what the biggest brand is. So the way the story goes is these were the cigars made for Fidel Castro's chief bodyguard. So after trying one on a whim, Castro fell in love with the smoke and ordered more, eventually making it his personal cigar of choice. So looks like it happened by accident, obviously with the backing of Fidel Castro. Castro, um, it's going to be the, probably the biggest thing. Or you're probably going to lose your head, you know, if you don't supply the main man there with his cigars. Okay, so money couldn't buy you a Cohiba. So for many years, the only way you could get a Cohiba was if Castro himself gave you one. The cigars were selectively doled out as diplomatic gifts to dignitaries, which I believe JFK had some, if we're talking about the same time. I think it was JFK had his personal humidor, and I believe some of Castro's stuff's in there. So at the time, the mysterious cigar um, came in one thin size. So the seven and a half by 38 ring gauge Lancero. 
Mm. Okay, so eventually you could buy one. Cohibas didn't become commercially available until 1982, and even then you could only buy them in Spain. So the, the brand came in three commercial sizes, Lancero, a size known in factory as Languito Number no. 1, and then the Corona Especial, or Languito Number no. 2, and Penatella, or Languito Number no. 3. The larger cigars didn't appear until 1989, after Cohiba was launched globally. The new sizes were Robusto, and then the Churchill-sized Explendido. That's a great one. And then the very small Exquisito. So... Esplendido is like that big old honker. Okay. Um, let's see. What else we need to really know? I feel like, uh, okay, here we go. The plantations are secret. That's kind of cool. Very few tobacco plantations in Cuba um, produce tobacco distinct enough to be used for the Cohiba brand, and Habanos isn't saying which farms actually make the grade. That's a great way to do it. Um, kind of reminds me of H.H. Holmes. And I know this is like a pretty far, far-fetched kind of comparison, but uh, you know, H.H. H. Holmes was the murder castle in Chicago, so he hired like multiple contractors to build it. So they were all working at the same time, so nobody held the entire plan. So that's kind of with this. They come from different farms, so nobody really knows the recipe and where to get them. So it's not just from one area, huh? So that's kind of cool. Um, and then I guess let's go. Let's go. So. Let's go on here. So it says, you've probably smoked a fake. So Rembrandts are faked. We talked about that. Stradivarius violins are faked. We talked about that. Louis Vuitton handbags are faked. We talked about that. And Petrus wines are faked. Not specifically Petrus, but we did talk about wines. And uh, because Cohibas are also a sought-after luxury product, they are also counterfeited. So... More or less, we've probably, anybody who's ever masqueraded something as a, um, a Cuban, you know, oh, it needs to say Cohiban, and even then we're going to talk about, maybe that's a fake. Okay, guys, so we did talk about, okay, so we did talk about, um, what we're going to get into is there are some reasons, or I mean, some ways to determine a counterfeit Cuban cigar, Okay, so there are no cheap Cohibas. We always talk about pricing. So there are only expensive Cohibas and very expensive Cohibas. Um, even in Cuba, where prices are the lowest in the world, because you're kind of getting it from the, um, you know, the teat there, a Cohiba Explendido retails for around $25. Okay, I know you're literally setting your money on fire, but it's the experience. A Bahique 56, if you could find them, sells for more than 30 bucks a pop. Okay, in Canada, a big bahique sells for north of a hundred. You're talking about a hundred. You know, a hundred dollar bottle of something, you're not killing that bottle. Um, maybe, I mean, you, maybe like with friends. You know, this is a personal experience. So, you're spending a hundred bucks on a personal experience that I don't even know how long these last. Um, I don't know. Would he puff them over like a couple hours? Okay, so if you find a bargain Cohiba, it's a fake Cohiba. All right, so a lesson in limitadas. Addition limitadas are prized by collectors, and counterfeiters do some of their biggest business by putting fake secondary bands on Cohibas and Monte Cristos. But they don't always get the dates right, so counterfeiters will put an addition limitada 
banned on a Cohiba every year, even though Cohiba only makes an occasional appearance as an L. Uh, that's E-L. So know which dates are on which brands to protect yourself. So the date stamp's pretty important. It looks like people get that wrong all the time. Okay, so <laughs> this is another one that's kind of funny. Uh, no, that guy doesn't have a cousin who works in the factory. So the oldest cigar scam in the book is the person you meet on the street who claims to have an insider in a factory getting him the real stuff for a fraction of the retail price. Avoid, you're definitely buying a fake, you know. It kind of seems like a guarantee. Like, oh, wow, you're selling these on the street instead of like a reputable place. Interesting. Okay. So labels go on the box, not in the box. So a lot of counterfeit cigars uh, that have been seen um, lately have the appropriate labels, but not on the box. So they're all inside for you to stick on your yourself. So Habanos take stickers, labels, and seals very seriously. This isn't a do-it-yourself process. Stay away from this very lazy counterfeit. So they're talking about the labels and that they go on the box, not in the box. So that's another thing to look at. So pass on glass. That's another um, you know thing here that we're talking about. So we've said, if, uh, I guess it's been said for years, but people still buy them. And that means they're getting burned. There are no glass top or clear plastic boxes that contain genuine Cuban cigars. So Habanos SA does not produce anything with a clear lid. Everybody's seen fakes like this in the Caribbean, Mexico, and elsewhere sold under such creative names as Cohiba Crystal and others. Glass top boxes are always going to be counterfeit. So you got to look for the real deal. Okay. You got to have the labels on the box, not in them. Um, and then it can't be glass or plastic. It's big. Okay, so beware the bogus bahique. So Cohiba bahiques are a prime target for counterfeiters giving their sky-high prices and exclusivity. So the first thing to look for is a box of 10. Bahiques aren't packed in boxes of 25 ever. So another thing to look out for is the placement of the label. So counterfeiters tend to put this seal directly on the black lacquer, glossy surface of the Bahike box. Habanos will never do that. Official labels and seals appear on the box's outer black cardboard protective shell, and the true band has two elaborate holograms on it, kind of an anti-counterfeiting measure. A proper band isn't a certain sign of a real cigar, but mistakes in the band guarantee you have a fake. Okay, so avoid the barber pole. So barber pole cigars made with intertwined wrappers of different colors are items from the non-Cuban cigar world. Real Cuban cigars don't come with barber pole wrappers. Um, basically, it's like a light brown, dark brown kind of barber pole. So that means it's a guaranteed fake. And it, it does look cool, but it's definitely a fake. I wonder why they would choose to do that when it clearly looks fake. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, trust. Okay, so like lastly here, we can just uh, trust but verify, you know, the old saying. So think you might have a fake. Cabanos puts a barcode on every box of Cuban cigars. Um, it's located on the edge of the Cuban guarantee seal. You can use the code to verify the box's authenticity via habanos.com. You can either scan the barcode with your smartphone or type in the numbers manually. It, uh, if the description doesn't match the cigars, then your product is inauthentic. So guys, that is our Cuban cigar episode. I was 
Pretty happy to do this one because I don't really know much about cigars. I don't do cigars. I don't know if you say do cigars. I don't smoke cigars. Um, I guess my brother does. He, I don't think he knows much about this, though. So, guys, remember the faked items. There are those who produce them, those that purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.